All right? That which dwells within Holy Spirit. I think this is part nine now. I forget. I've lost track. I don't know. Today's, and, and, uh, today's going to be a little bit of a different message. It's, it's going to be a form of, uh, form of review. But at the same time, as we review a little bit, there are some things that have come to my mind that I want to stop and just park and pause and just reiterate some things, some things that have come to me this, this week. Let's go ahead and dive in with this. It's hard to believe that back in June we began this series. We began describing that seven weeks after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit showed up in His fullness and in His power on the day of Pentecost. That's how we started off this series, going back to June. And it was at that time that we emphasize that the Holy Spirit is indeed a person, the third person of the Trinity. He is not thing one, thing two, thing three. He is indeed a person. That He was present on the day of creation. He was with God and with Jesus when they created. He came in the fullness on the day of Pentecost to be our helper. But so many believers... They are trying to live this life out without the Holy Spirit leading and guiding their way. We talked about in order to receive all that the Holy Spirit has for us, we must go through a time of preparing. And really what that means is a time when we yield our spirits and ourselves to the Holy Spirit. For us to receive everything that the Holy Spirit has in store, we must prepare, we must yield, we must really, we must humble ourselves. We then went into the topic of sanctification. One of the main works of the Holy Spirit is sanctification. We talked about that while salvation eliminates those known, committed Acts of sin, it is still possible, after you have a salvation experience, it is still possible to be left with that carnal nature. 1 Corinthians 3 tells us that. We're still able to have that carnal nature, that which we were born with. It's that inherited nature, the flesh. It's that natural disposition in every human being. That disposition that has been on pleasing self. It's that urging inside that says, I'm going to do what I want to do when I want to do it, and you can't tell me any different. The work of sanctification cleanses this attitude. It cleanses the flesh. It helps us overcome the carnal nature, and it sets us on a path of holiness. We then talked about the holiness of God And every time I see this topic, I think to myself, I just was not able to describe this well enough. Why did I feel like we needed to talk about the holiness of God? Because when we have just a glimpse, just a picture of maybe the holiness of God, we will have that healthy fear and awe and reverence of our God. And when we have a healthy fear and awe and reverence of God, then we're going to do what he tells us to do. Amen? We're going to do what he tells us to do. And it's this God that said, Be ye holy, as I am holy. And man, we had better press into that with all that we have. 
press into that with all we have. Talked about holiness. This holy God calls us to be holy. Holiness is not a bad word. It's not a dirty word like some people grew up thinking that was more restrictive. It's not a life of do's and don'ts. If you remember, we talked about that Sunday morning, that holiness is not about who you fear the most, but it's about who you love the most. And based on what He has done for us, we will want to be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. We will want to live lives of holiness. Listen, as you grow in your faith, you will find that there will be things in your life that you no longer want to do. There will be things in your life that you no longer want to say. There will be places that you no longer want to go. uh, Things that uh, in your old life, but now you know your new life, you have nothing to do with that. They have no interest to you. Maybe it's music. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's uh, some habits. Maybe it's places that you go but you realize that Jesus is your all in all. And here's one point where I want to pause. Just bear with me. Don't let this point go by you. Remember I, talked that, I told you that story about the lady in Columbus and she drove by the horseshoe every day for a year after year after year? She had no idea what the horseshoe was. She had no idea that's where the Ohio State football team played football. Like how on earth can you... Don't just drive by this. This act of becoming holy is a work brought on by sanctification. It's a work brought on by when we die to ourselves. And listen, it's a process. It's a lifetime process. Our lives will be defined and dominated. It should be defined and dominated by holiness. being transformed by the Holy Spirit so that we will act and look just like Jesus. Apostle Paul said, I've not yet arrived. Hi, your pastor have not arrived and neither have you arrived. But where's your desire? Folks, our lives will be in a constant state of transformation. The Holy Spirit is always going to be about changing us, transforming us. He's going to be about interfering with our lives at times, but it's all in an effort to get us to humble ourselves and to be more like Jesus Christ. Can somebody say amen? I have to tell you that a couple weeks ago when I preached this message, the very next week, um, there, was, there was a handwritten letter on my desk, and um, it was written by my daughter, Jenna. And I read it, and uh, I, you know, this, this would be with any child if they would have written this. It just so happens to be my daughter. But as I was in the process this week of the message, and I thought I'm going to review and some things I want to pull out, I thought about that letter. And so I've asked Jenna if she could come up and read this letter to you that she wrote. Jenna, if you'll come up at this time. I, she has it written out. She doesn't have to speak off the cuff, but I asked if she could read this. 
to you this morning. Since I was practically born, my family has been in the ministry. My dad was the worship leader here and in Kentucky. Then after some years, I guess God decided to promote him to be a pastor. So I guess you could say that since I was born, I've been taught to live this holy life. What inspired me to write this was one of my dad's previous messages about holiness. That message, that message hit me pretty hard. You see, growing up, my family and I have not gone to see every single movie that came out. We didn't listen to music that was just straight out dirty. We didn't say dirty words, and we would never take the Lord's name in vain. But we also didn't live under a rock. We were just a bit more careful with what we did. My parents have done their absolute best to teach Parker and I how to live a holy life, and they have done an awesome job at it. You see, there have been a few times when I'd be invited to go see a movie with my friends. I did go see a few movies with them, but then there would be other times to where I wasn't allowed to go because the movie would just cross that line between acceptable and unacceptable. I would be mad and bummed considering I was usually the only one that couldn't go. Then Dad spoke that message on holiness, and it changed my whole point of view. I can now see that some movies we watch, some songs that we listen to, some video games we play, some words we say, many of them God is not pleased with. The flesh tells you to do these things, but if the Holy Spirit is living inside of you, it holds you back. After Dad preached that message on holiness, I was invited to a friend's house to a few backs to swim. It was just me and her swimming in the pool, and we were having these random deep conversations. Then she started to talk about all these movies that she's seen. Then she asked me why I can't go see certain movies, even if I don't actually do what the film implies. I told her that it doesn't matter if I do what the film implies or not. Just by watching the certain movie, whether it's filled with violence, language, sex, the list goes on and on. Just by watching it, it immediately pollutes our minds with unholiness. And the more we watch those things, and the more it will be a regular thing to watch those corrupted movies. Eventually, you won't care that it uses the F word a dozen times, or you won't care that you just saw a sex scene, or that a guy just got stabbed in the back and you can see blood and gore. It won't be shocking to you anymore. God does not like it when we pollute our minds and souls with worldly junk. We need to watch more carefully with what we do in our lives. We need to keep ourselves holy. Philippians 4.8 says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Can I say I'm humbly proud? It's, um, uh, it's a process. And um, if a 13-year-old can get it, we can get it. It's, it's just loving Jesus. It's just wanting to be like him. It's wanting everything that we do and say to be. And like I said, we're all on different planes. We're all on different levels where we're at. And God deals with all of us where we're at. Just be obedient to him. Don't drive
the next thing that we talked about was power. Some have, and some of you might even be saying, Pastor Brock, what you've been describing, the way that we should be living, it's just too hard. There's no way that I have the ability to live that kind of life. And I would say to you, you are absolutely right. You have no power in and of yourself. You cannot do it. You see, it's going to take something or someone higher than ourselves. One that will enable us to live victorious. That's why on August 10th, we spoke about the Holy Spirit bringing power. If we have no power, then our lives will resemble that of Peter before the day of Pentecost. Weak, puny, powerless. But praise be to God, this is why the Holy Spirit came, is to give us power and to be victorious in Jesus Christ. Acts 1, 4, and 5, And being assembling together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise, capital P, speaking of the Holy Spirit of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. When the Holy Spirit got a hold of Peter and the disciples and the others, they were different. There was a boldness. There was a confidence. There was a power that they had, not in and of themselves. It was a power that was filled with them by the Holy Spirit. This is for us. We need power. And then last week, we talked about how the Holy Spirit wants to take our ordinary and put an extra on the beginning of it. Last week, I said that I have, that we should have such an intimate, close relationship with the Holy Spirit that we should say things like, you know, The Holy Spirit told me this, or the Holy Spirit told me that. The Holy Spirit told me to go here. The Holy Spirit told me to go there. Now, we've got to be careful with that because I've talked to people that have said the Holy Spirit or God told them to do things that I know is nowhere in the Word of God. (laughs) And that's a dangerous place to go. But if it can be backed up by the Word of God, then the Spirit of God is behind it. When we live this kind of life, when we live a life that is so guided and directed by the Holy Spirit, He at times will make our ordinary into the extraordinary. That if we will get in tune with the Holy Spirit, we'll find that He will send us places and ask us to do things out of the ordinary. And this is where I want to park it for just a few moments before I close. There were some things that came to me this week along this line that I thought I got to share. I have to share this. If you have your Bibles, turn to Numbers 9. The book of Numbers, chapter 9. The book of Numbers, chapter 9. This gives another great picture of how we should be interacting with the Holy Spirit. Of how the Holy Spirit really should be leading and guiding our everyday life. As you're turning there, let me set this up for you. 
at this time in history, the Israelites have been camped out in the wilderness of Mount Sinai. It's been about two years now since they've left Egypt. But they've not just been sitting around twiddling their thumbs. They've been very busy with God. During this time, God has given them the law. He's helped set up their system of sacrifices. Gave them specific construction plans to build the first ever house of worship, the tabernacle. He also gave them specific instructions on how to build the Ark of the Covenant, along with the various pieces of furniture and objects that would go in the temple. See, at this time in history, they were all set. They had their God to worship. They had a place to worship. They had a sacrificial system to make atonement for their sins. They had the law, a law that gave them a pattern of how to live holy and pleasing lives before God. And here they are in the wilderness. Hmm. We can see the Holy Spirit is alive and well at this time. I think I have this up on the screen, but let's start with verse 15. Numbers chapter 9 Verse 15 says, On the day that the tabernacle was set up, the cloud covered it. But from evening until morning, the cloud over the tabernacle looked like a pillar of fire. This was the regular pattern. At night, the cloud that covered the tabernacle had the appearance of fire. Whenever the cloud lifted from over the sacred tent, the people of Israel would break camp and follow it. And wherever the clouds settled, the people of Israel would set up camp. In this way, they traveled and camped at the Lord's command wherever He told them to go. And then they remained in their camp as long as the clouds stayed over the tabernacle. If the cloud remained over the tabernacle for a long time, the Israelites stayed and performed their duty to the Lord. Sometimes the cloud would stay over the tabernacle for only a few days, so the people would stay for only a few days, as the Lord commanded. Then at the Lord's command, they would break camp and move on. Sometimes the cloud stayed only overnight and lifted the next morning, but day or night, when the cloud lifted, the people broke camp and moved on. Whether the cloud stayed above the tabernacle for two days, a month, or a year, the people of Israel stayed in camp and did not move. But as soon as it lifted, they broke camp and moved on. So they camped or traveled at the Lord's command, and they did whatever the Lord told them through Moses. What do we see here? I don't know what it would have looked like. I found some pictures online. It may have looked something like that. I have no idea. But what we see here is the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit, I believe. God's representative in spirit form. He is displayed in visible form. Here He is seen as a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. See, the cloud that covered the tabernacle during the day and the fire at night represents the Spirit of God. It represents the Holy Spirit. And you see, the people were to closely observe, they were to closely discern, closely watch this cloud and fire. 
And if it moved, they moved. And if it stayed, they stayed. Folks, this is how we are to be with the Holy Spirit. When He tells us to move, we move. And when He tells us to go, you better go. Reminds me of the words of the song that we sometimes sing. I will follow. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. When you move, I'll move. I will follow you. You want to see your ordinary become extraordinary? Learn to discern the Holy Spirit and what He is telling you. Listen, someone here today may be trying to discern what God's direction for their life is. You're trying to decipher God's plan. Maybe you're in a state of, you just don't know what to do, and you don't know whether to go to the right or to the left. You don't know whether to stay, whether to move. You don't know what to do. Seek time alone with God. In time, the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you. If it seems as if over time of prayer and Bible reading, maybe counseling with those that you trust, if it seems that the Holy Spirit is kind of hovering over you, if the Spirit of God is just saying, stay, then stay. Or if it seems like the Holy Spirit has moved on as we just read in our Scripture, then you need to obey and you need to move on. I don't know how this is hitting someone. This might be just one person that needs to hear this this morning. Follow Him. Church, this is how we should live. In a constant state of communion with God and with the Holy Spirit. And I believe I said this before, but we need to have spiritual clouds over our heads. Clouds that we are so in tune with that when He says go, that we go. When he says, speak to so-and-so, speak. I had a situation like that happen to me this week to where I was in a conversation with a gentleman and, and I was like, God, where do you want me to go with this? And the, the, the conversation just opened up. Maybe I'll share more later, but the conversation just opened up to where the Holy Spirit said, ask this next question. And I asked the next question and then that opened up more doors and, and then the Holy Spirit, well then if you okay, go here, go there. And before we knew it, we were having a deep spiritual discussion about this person's salvation experience. But we have to be in that place to where we discern the move of God. Listen, you ever have those times to where you walk outside, you know it's cloudy, and, and you're trying to determine what direction the clouds are going? You know, are the clouds coming? Is it going to come? Is it storming? What way are the clouds moving? And you look up, and the clouds aren't moving very fast. What do you do? A lot of times I'll just stand there and I'll just stare and I'll stare until I can see just a a hint of how that cloud is moving. Sometimes it causes us to go into deep communion with God. Sometimes it causes us to just wait and be patient on God and see what His move is going to be. That's the kind of relationship we need to have with the Holy Spirit. When He moves, we move. And if He says stay, we stay. Second point, and then I'll be done. 
All of this talk about experiencing extraordinary, extraordinary moments in our life. It can be exciting. We, we shared a couple of neat stories last time. However, it will require you and I to get in tune with the Holy Spirit and to become aware of these opportunities. Listen, this does not happen on its own. This does not, you want to have these kind of neat experiences in your life? It does not happen just by accident. There's a very important aspect that I passed up last week and I need to revisit it. I want to go back to our story. You can turn there as well if you want. Acts chapter 10. We're going to go back to Joppa and Caesarea, Cornelius and Peter. As you're turning there, I need to take a break. Quickly reviewing, Cornelius was a centurion in the Italian army, the Roman army. But he was also a man who had a heart for God and he sought after God. And we know Peter, the other person in this story, we know that he is now a man filled with the Holy Spirit after the day of Pentecost. I want us to read two portions, Acts chapter 10, 1 through 5, as we review this. In Caesarea, there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius, who was a captain of the Italian regiment. He was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. One afternoon, about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming toward him. Cornelius, the angel said. Cornelius stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? He asked the angel, And the angel replied, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. Let's jump ahead to verse 9. The next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon and he was hungry. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. And he saw the sky open and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles and birds. Then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat them. As you recall, God miraculously brought these two men together. Notice, though, that in this story, both men had visions. Both men had their ordinary day turned into something extraordinary. But I don't know if you missed it, but did you, did you see there's a common denominator that I missed? There's a common denominator that links both of them together. Did you catch what that denominator was? That right there. Prayer. You're thinking, oh man, this can be more exciting than that. He built us all up for this, just prayer. It says here that Cornelius prayed to God regularly or always. And we're told that Peter went up on the roof to pray. Don't drive by it. Don't drive by it. 
You want to experience extraordinary moments? You've got to get to a place where you are in tune with the Holy Spirit and that place is prayer. Mark Batterson wrote a book on prayer titled Draw the Circle. Listen to a couple of things that he said. When you pray to God regularly, irregular things happen on a regular basis. Prayer is the way that we discern the next move. Oh my, listen to this next sentence. The plans of God are only revealed in the presence of God. We don't need get our marching orders until we get on our knees. That's rich. The plans of God are only revealed in the presence God. This is rich. This is so good. This is so true, yet this is so hard. It's so hard. How many of you with a raised hand would say, it's hard to pray? I'm raising my hand first. Come on. Not all of you are liars. Come on. How many of you would say, it's hard to pray? It is hard to pray. We're busy. We got things coming at us at all times and got to get this done, got to get that done. And do you think that there's a reason why it's so hard to pray? The evil one is trying to keep us from praying. That's the one thing that can defeat him is the power of prayer. And he doesn't want us to do it. Prayer is hard work. But if we want to experience the extraordinary and irregular moves of God, we must, as he said in his book, we must pray the price. We must get into his presence. Church, church leaders, elders and deacons, this is why we must put great emphasis of prayer, not just in our own individual lives, but as a church corporately. Without prayer, we are powerless and we are without discernment. This is why I have and I will put emphasis on times of corporate prayer. Remember, Peter and Cornelius should have never met. Joppa and Caesarea were 32 miles apart. Most people in that day did not travel outside of a 30-mile radius in their lifetime. They shouldn't have never met. Not to mention that one was a Jew and one was a Gentile, and the two are like oil and water. They just do not mix. But because both men had hearts for God, and because both men were found to be praying men, God did a God thing. One last thing that Mark says. God is setting up divine appointments all the time. Only God can make the appointment, but only you can keep the appointment. It's your job to recognize and respond to the God-ordained opportunities that come your way. Extraordinary moments begins on our knees, church. Uh, I, I got to tell you, um, 
This might be something that we eventually do as a church together, but Stephanie and I have started this journey. Mark Batterson has written this book, Circle, Draw the Circle, and, and it's, it's a 40-day challenge of prayer. Now, we, we pray every day, but this is a renewed, it's a different focus time that Stephanie and I are entering into together. And I've got to tell you, we started this on Tuesday, honey. We started this on Tuesday. Together, as much as we can, we're coming together to pray. And we're asking God, and, and, and basically the concept is draw a circle. And it says, draw a circle around yourself. It begins with yourself. Draw a circle and put yourself in the middle of that circle. And your first prayer is, God, send revival in this circle. God, send a mighty move of God in this, not to my neighbor, not to that person at church that I think needs to hear that message or needs to have more of you. No, send revival in this circle. God is dealing with me. He's dealing with Stephanie. I just got to tell you, we're, we're getting in tune with God in a way that we haven't in a while. And then, was it just coincidence that a few days after that, God gave me an extraordinary moment when I was talking to this person? don't think so. Get into His presence. The Holy Spirit wants to be your best friend. He wants to be your guide. He wants to be your helper. He wants to be everything. But you've got to get into His presence. You've got to get into that place to where you can discern His will. You've got to discern where the cloud is moving, what the cloud is saying, stay or go. And I'm done. Is there someone here this morning that needs to yield? Maybe there's someone here this morning that needs to have a sanctifying moment in their life. Is there someone here that just needs and wants to go deeper with God? You sense there's, you've had an experience with God, but you sense there's more. You sense there's got to be a deeper place. You're not content. You're dissatisfied. That's a good place to start. When there's dissatisfaction, that means He's got you where He wants you. Go deeper with God. Is there someone here that's sensing it's time to make a move? It's it's time to do something. The Spirit of God has said, follow me. Maybe it's just something as simple as someone realizes that prayer needs to be now a major element in your life. Would you stand, please? I'm not going to drag this out. You've been patient. We've had a wonderful service. Spirit of God has been here. I'm just going to lead you in a verse or two of this song. Bow your heads, please. Hmm. God is dealing with you. The altars are open. I'm not going to give a long invitation. God is dealing with you, then you can come forward at this time and and just allow him to deal with you with whatever the issue is. Father God, we thank you. Holy Spirit, I thank you. And I know that I, can, I, I have not yet arrived. I, I have not totally got this thing mastered yet. But one thing that I want is more of you, God. Holy Spirit, I want more of you. I want to be able to, to discern your will. I want to be able to follow your leading. I want to be able to go where you say go. I want you to speak when, I, when, when, when you say speak, Father. I want to have such an intimate relationship with you that when you tell me to do something, I know it and I do it. 
God, if there's anyone here this morning that needs to do business with you, would they be obedient? Would they be obedient? In Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.